Time Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul and my co-host Justin Baker coming all the way from Moscow, Russia. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm here to here to recruit for the Red Army, I guess. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> no, Justin is, uh, well, you're what, maybe t- 10 miles from me? Yeah, yeah not like too that. far. But it's just way easier to do it like this, right? So uh, Skyping it in for uh, yet another episode and... There's just a ton to get to, so let's dive right in. First off, I just need to tell you, I am disappointed that the Red Wings couldn't take care of Columbus, essentially, for for all intents and purposes, clinching Columbus a playoff spot. It would have made the Eastern Conference a little more interesting coming down the stretch to have a few teams duking it out. I guess technically they haven't clinched a spot, but a lot of teams, would they'd have to lose out and everybody else have to win a little bit. But yeah, Detroit, yeah, that, Detroit, Detroit. Thoroughly disappointing considering, I mean, okay, so basically that's why the wings are where they are because they can't finish games. I mean, <sighs> yeah, it's frustrating. It, and it, seeing them up four to one against Columbus, I mean, I saw some of the game and you're like, okay, this team, this team doesn't look that bad. And then they just crumble. Uh, yep. so, yeah. I mean, it just goes to show that there, there are some decent pieces there in reality, they should move those pieces, but I mean, hey, you know, you never know what Holland's got up his sleeve. Maybe he tries to go out and sign someone of significance, i.e., a John Carlson. I, I'm, I am Ooh. jumping on this train. I haven't heard it anywhere, but for whatever reason, I don't know the Mike Green connection or something. John Carlson to Detroit. That's, I, I, I feel like I could see Detroit reaching out and giving him a, a sizable deal to come there, uh, just because they haven't yeah. had anybody, and you know, he is an American player. And there are a lot, a lot of those American guys that like to sign in Detroit. I, I don't know, uh, but that's just that's my my off the cuff theory about him coming to Detroit. That would be great. Uh, the only question is, you know, so they have a little over eighteen million cap space, and they got to give Mantha and Larkin some new deals. Which maybe maybe you say they eat up three eight. to four million each yeah, for you know eight. maybe some bridge deals, right? I'd be I'd be uh, calculating about eight million between the two of those guys. At yeah, most, so, at most. Yeah, and then Anthony CU, maybe you throw a couple more million at him, and personally, I, I think he'll be moved at the draft myself, but um, that's another discussion. Uh, yeah, so now you got to give Mike Green more money, and then you got to give uh, John Carlson some money. I think there's, I think there's enough space to 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 give the, both those guys the money they, they yeah deserve. I I don't know if Mike Green I see I think when I said that I, I'm thinking John Carlson replaces Mike Green. On oh, that blue line. Do yeah. you know? I, unless Mike Green is willing to come back for three to four million, because he's what six, six right now. Yeah, he's at six. But I, I honestly think that Detroit brings him back maybe on a two-year deal at around five mil a season. Yeah, I could see that, especially since they didn't deal him at the deadline. Obviously, they want to keep him. So, yeah. Otherwise, if they if they don't bring him back, then shame on Ken Holland. Uh, okay. Yep. Well, let's uh, let's first before we. We go on any further. Let's acknowledge the fact that uh, two players that will be forever linked to each other, and uh, I don't think there's ever been two players linked together the way that the Sedin brothers have been, uh, of course, are retiring at the end of this season. So the last few games are a little farewell tour for them. Uh, man, their their statistics over the course of time are unreal. I think it's... Uh, what between the two of them, they have over two thousand points. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah, they're 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 unbelievable. I mean, they they both what they they had back to back heart um, art Ross trophies. I think Henrik mm-hmm. Sedin won the heart in two thousand ten, and it really in reality they both won the heart, right? Like we just had to put one guy's name. I think they both won the scoring title in both years. Like both their names should be next to each other. And they both won the heart that year. That's, that's the way that I would see it. Yeah. I would not disagree with you at all. Those two guys. I mean, they had, they had a few years where they were, I, I wouldn't say the, the best players in the league, but they were just the best duo in the league for sure. Yeah. The that best, you didn't even matter who you stuck on that top line with them. I know Alexander Burroughs made a career out of being able to play well with him. He's like, he's the Burroughs is to the Sedins as Kunitz was to Crosby for a while. Pretty similar in, uh, in skill level and all that, but uh, yeah, it was 2,106 points is how many they had between the two of them. Pretty good, uh, especially considering the guy that went before them in the draft at number one was Patrick Steffen. So, wow. Good job, Atlanta. <laughs> uh, 
Do you think they're in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I I think after this year watching Eric Lindros go in the Hall of Fame, I think you know the biggest argument is always going to be they don't have a Stanley Cup, and you know I would say you know yeah they got within one game of it. Um, but I think they quietly went about their business. They played it, the game the right way. Right. And it was not, not, it's not their fault. They didn't win a cup. No, not at all. No, no they did everything they could to help push that team to towards a cup. I think winning uh, Stanley cup and the hall of fame are no longer a lock and step. I mean, you don't have to be the best player ever and not have won a cup in order to get in, you know, like Alexander Ovechkin. If he doesn't win a cup, he's going to get in because his stats are ridiculous. The the Sedin stats aren't ridiculous in comparison to history, but they are still incredible uh, for the time period that they played in. I mean, they did start in 2000. So, I mean, they're playing at a time when nobody, nobody, you know, nobody's scoring. I think it was, what was it, 2001 when... uh, when Aginla and Kovalchuk shared the lead and Nirik Nash with like 41 goals. So no, no one was really scoring, but yeah, they, right. I, th- I think they'll get in, but the only way I want them in is if they have the one plaque for two of them. Real. I don't think you can have them in any other way. I, I think that, no. it, I think that they are so unique that you go to them and you say, look, like you we're more than willing to put you guys in here by yourself. But your legacy is together, like separate. Daniel Sedin means nothing without Henrik Sedin, and same same goes the other way around. They they were they just existed together, and that just is what it is. And so I think that it would be it would be so cool and unique if they sh- if they were on the same plaque picture in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and they okay, went so in as one. Let me pose this question to you though, because so they they only have so many players each year that get voted in now. Do you count them as just one player, or do you count them as two separate players when they go in, even though they're on the same plaque? Um, I'm going to see you count them as one player. Okay. Yeah. But that, that won't happen. That's not going to happen. No. But I, I, I still think, okay, you can count them as two players, but they should go on the same plaque. You know, it's funny. Alex Burroughs, he was quoted as saying that like they had their own language on the ice and that they sounded like dolphins. And that, I mean, without a doubt, <laughs> speaks to like what you say, where these two guys are just like their own person. It's they're not one without the other. Right, right. Uh, okay, real quick, then let's uh, let's let's talk Vancouver Canucks really fast. I actually I wrote an article over at Hockey Talk OTHockeyTalk.com, uh, and uh, it is on this very topic on the Sedins and what the Canucks will do post. Sedin brothers. Uh, I think that it's a worthy discussion because the Canucks have essentially said, Trevor Linden came out and said, we're not going to tank as long as these guys are here. Like We're going to build a team that can, that they deem competitive. Of course they haven't been, but they, you know, they, they've been trying and now they're gone. So what do the Canucks do? What, what do you think they're going to do? Boy, I think now that the Sedins are gone, I mean, we, we did talk about it a little bit uh, last week, you know, with the rumor of the John Tavares coming to um, to Vancouver. But I think I think at this point you've got you've got some decent young pieces with Besser and Horvat, right? You you really need to go out and I, I think they really need to just go out and develop get rid of assets that they can now and just kind of start fresh and start rebuilding the right way. Um, yeah. They're, they're going to have 20 you know, million, $21 million in cap space this next right. off season. And you know what? They, they might get lucky. They might be able to go out and convince, you know, like a John Carlson or, um, you know, convince some bigger name free agents to come sign there. But, in the end, you know, would they be better off trying a long-term rebuild and doing it the right way since they have, you know, a couple decent young pieces right now and you could build around those guys with, you know, because let's face it, you're not going to find a, a decent enough goaltender via free agency this year. You're not going to find that superstar defenseman unless you somehow make a deal for Eric Carlson. But right. if that goes the other way, they're going to want Horvat or Brock Besser coming back the other way. So. Yes, exactly. Uh, now, I do think that 
I, 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 oh, sorry. I want to throw this out to you. Do you know who the th- three worst teams are the last three years? If we combine the last three years, combine the records, do you know who the three worst teams are in the league? I would probably have to say, um, probably have to throw Colorado. Nah. If you say three years, I'm going to go Arizona for one of them. That's um, right. Yep. Maybe have to throw Vancouver in there. They are. Okay. And lastly, let's. I want to say Colorado, but. No, it's Buffalo. Okay. Buffalo. Yeah, okay. That was my next guess. So. And actually, Vancouver is the worst of the three. Wow. So Vancouver has. Yes, Vancouver is the worst team in the National Hockey League over the last three years. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, when you, when you consider that, uh, I mean, I, I think you go, okay, this team's been trying to actually win, and yet look where they are. They've finished. Yeah. They are the worst team in the league over the last three years. So, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I know the quick thing would be, okay, can we – I mean, okay, if you can convince John Tavares to come to Vancouver – then that's fine. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Pay him $12.5 million because it restarts, reboots your franchise. Um, if you can do that. I, I don't get the impression that John Tavares is going to be into going to an organization maybe in more flux than the Islanders. Like, why wouldn't he just stay with the Islanders? He at right. least has. <laughs> I, I will take Barzell over Horvat any day. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if you can get John Tavares, great, but that's probably not reality. I, I think they, they do need to try and move a guy like Sam Gagne, who still has some value has only had 30 his 31 points right here right now, but he had 50 last year playing in the right role with Columbus. So, I mean, at a two years, $3.15 million cap hit, they can move him and acquire a second round pick. Yeah, maybe a second and a third. Like you can, you should be able to get something okay for Sam Gagne, something that can start your rebuild. Now, and the idea is that uh, the whole reason why Jim Benning has his job is because he's supposed to be this master scout. So, uh-huh. give him some tools to be a master scout. You know, like give him more draft picks. Uh, I think that also trading uh, who's who, uh, Edler. Alexander Edler, he, he should absolutely be traded at the draft. He's got one year left on his deal. You get more for him at the draft. You've got more teams that will be able to move for him at the draft. Alex Edler is a top four defenseman. So I would put him in the same ilk as Travis Hamannick. So, yeah, I mean, and I know the Wings have been uh, eyeing him for years. So there's a team that would probably be willing to pay up for him. Yeah, you're going to need to uh, get at least a first and a second round pick for him. But I, I'd say that... You look at what the Islanders got for Hamannick from Calgary, and that's what you need to shoot for. What's that? A first and two seconds, and uh, you know there can be some there can be some uh, conditions on some of those picks, but sure. I mean, he's he's very valuable. So they need to start flipping the pieces that they can they can do now, and then next year, I think it just needs to be an all out like bring up Olio Levy, bring up uh, Elias Peterson, and have these guys play. Even if you have to send them down to just – you play the – I mean, these European guys, they can go play in the AHL at 19, so it's fine. Have them go play in the AHL if they're not ready. Don't worry about burning a year of their entry level. That's got to be the last of your concern right now. It needs to be getting these kids playing in North America and then getting them up with the pro roster as quick as you can so you can start developing them because, I mean, we see now these players are ready to roll when they're 19 or 20. We're not waiting until kids are 23 and 24 anymore, especially when they're a top 10 pick. Like You've got to get them into the lineup. You've got to figure out a way to where that's not rushing them, but it's it's also not letting them season for so long that you're losing valuable years with those players. Right. No, I would, I would absolutely agree with you. And I think the way the league has sort of transformed from being less physical, you're not worried about young kids coming in undersized and having to worry about them having to build that muscle and that, that strength that usually they take a couple of years out of that, you know, that 19, 20 year old before they get to that size where they could really, you know, be fast, but yet physical in the NHL anymore. That is a great point. I actually have, I don't think I've ever actually thought about that, that, Hey, they can come in younger because it doesn't matter if their bodies are underdeveloped a little bit. They probably won't get hit the same way. Uh, I mean, and some of these kids are so freaking fast. You can't hit them anyways. 
<laughs> right. And you're not worried about like an Elias Peterson who I, he's what, like he's like six one. He's he's a big kid. He's he'll be fine. Um, mm-hmm. I think the uh, the guy for Vancouver, the goaltender who they're hoping to be, you know, their next Corey Schneider is Thatcher Demko. He plays for yep. the Utica Comets in the American League. So he's seventeen seven and six with a two two seven goals against average and a nine two nine save percentage this year in the AHL. So that's that's pretty darn good. Uh, yep, and that's, can't complain about that. He's played two seasons there. I mean, you could. And you could always bring him up and have him play some different games and send him back down and kind of work him into the lineup until he's ready to go. But uh, anyways, okay, let's uh, let's move off the Canucks. Very sad to see the Sedins go, but it'll be fun to Here, see who, me, who's on the let third Let me pose line. a question to you really oh, sure. quick before we, we move off this. If you're, if you're the Canucks uh, management group and head coach, are you naming a captain next season? Uh, that's... I see. I don't. I don't think you can. I think you just got to go. Yeah. No, no, captain. We're going to be bad. Give, give Horvat an A. You've got. Uh, who else would you give an A on that team? Uh, Brock Besser. Uh, yeah, I don't Tanev. know. Maybe, maybe Besser. Tanev. Yeah, it's not a bad. If you keep Edler, you're going to give it to Edler. Just honestly, they should do uh, exactly what the Leafs and several other teams have done. You have three A's for the road and three A's for home. And okay. you just keep them rotating. doesn't just matter. Don't, just, just don't ever do what the Hurricanes do with alternating captains. I, I oh, hate that no. with um, you know one captain on the road, one captain on the home ice. That bothers uh, me. That really bothers me. Um, yeah, it does. Hey, maybe they could just make Markstrom the captain. There you go. Remember Luongo when Luongo two. was the captain? Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Uh, okay. Uh, shall we move into some playoff discussions here? Because uh, things Let got us. real interesting last night. Uh, really had, in the Eastern Conference, you had everybody going. You had Florida, Philadelphia, New Jersey, and Columbus all play different teams. So, uh, yeah. Let's start with Columbus. Of course, we already talked a little. We talked about it. Up four or down four, one of the wings. They managed to come back. They win five four in OT, and that puts Columbus at ninety six points. Florida right now at ninety points with a game in hand on just about everybody, uh, everybody that's in the playoff discussion at least. So Columbus winning definitely uh, gives them the edge. I mean, at this point, Columbus isn't going to miss. It would be very difficult for them to miss. Uh, New Jersey wins five two against New York. So mm-hmm. New Jersey moves to five points. They've got two games left, uh, one against the Leafs and one against the Capitals. And then you've got the Flyers, who have 94 points, and uh, they play Carolina on uh, on Thursday. So uh, and then Florida, of course, has to play Boston Thursday. Then they play, I believe it's Montreal is who they play next after that. And then they have to play Boston again. Because it's the makeup game from earlier in the season when there was uh, that hurricane in Florida. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the first question is: Is all this moot? Because Florida, there's no way in hell Florida's going to beat Boston twice <laughs> in four days. <laughs> That's you know what. So my question is for Boston. You know, you're fighting for that that top spot in the Atlantic, and you've been pretty pretty banged up, and you're starting to get healthy now. Are you resting guys? That's that's the bigger question for me with Boston because if they're resting guys to have them ready to go come playoff time, and then maybe Florida has a shot. You know that desperate Florida team, but uh, yeah, yeah, I almost want to write Florida off at this point and say there's no chance they're beating Boston twice. Honestly, <laughs> thought there was no chance they'd beat Nashville, and Luongo yeah. played out of his mind, and they got some fortunate uh, rulings from Toronto. Uh, did you see the goal that? Uh, the goaltender interference, so-called, uh, to tie the game with 0.3 seconds left that Nashville had. And, uh, it's, it's irritating my soul. Yeah, Victor Arvidsson, I, I guess the idea was that he, because he jammed his stick into Luongo's pads and pushed him, that that's why the puck squirted loose. It kind of looked like the puck had squirted loose beforehand. Uh, it's hard to tell, but it, it seemed like it should have probably been a good goal. But yeah, but Florida, Florida lucks out. It will have 
probably no impact on where Nashville ultimately finishes. Uh, all Nashville needs really is is one of one win in their next two. They play Washington. Uh, yeah, win, I mean Winnipeg could overtake them, but it's probably unlikely. Uh, yeah. The reason why I think that Boston will still be going though when they're playing Florida is that would you rather play <laughs> Philadelphia or would you rather play Toronto? Exactly. I think you're going to be playing your balls off to play Toronto. Yeah, or to, no, to play Philadelphia. Sorry, you. you don't want to play Toronto. Yeah. yeah, nobody's going to want to play Toronto. I mean, that's that is no no matter the conference, that is the worst possible uh first round for a a higher seed. I mean, you're looking at Vegas, okay, that's fine. You're going to play uh Anaheim probably or Colorado, you know. Mm-hmm. Nashville gets to play Colorado. That's no big deal. I mean, Winnipeg's going to play Minnesota. Now that Ryan Suter's out for the year, that's probably no big deal there. Uh, and San Jose plays LA. I think they'll do fine there. Pittsburgh playing Columbus. Columbus doesn't scare Pittsburgh. Nope. It's that man, that Toronto being the way seed. That's whoever. Yeah, it's just it's going to be a dogfight. And and even if Toronto Toronto loses that series, let's say, and Tampa Bay or Boston win it, they're going to be in pretty rough shape. I imagine it'll be a long series and a hard series. So you know, you're going to take a beating just from the sheer speed of what you're going to have to do to keep up with that team. Yeah. Not only that, but you're going to have to score some goals against Toronto to beat them. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Florida is definitely still in the thick of things. It's unlikely, but man, they, uh, they, they did look pretty decent against Nashville. I'm not going to lie. I watched the whole game and, mm-hmm. uh, they looked, they, they just do dad enough. Yeah. <laughs> he is unreal. He actually he did some things with the puck. There was a actually on the second goal, he gets hooked and pulled down by uh, Ryan Ellis, and as he falls down, he just pops right back up and keeps going for the puck. He doesn't care. Ryan Ellis is actually behind him and puts his hands up, thinking that he just got a penalty for what he did and complaining huh. about it. So he slows down, but Dadunov keeps going, takes the puck in. And uh, he ultimately passes it back, and that's when uh, oh, who scored that? I don't, I don't remember. Uh, Sissons, Sissons scored that goal. So uh, I think that's who it was. Is Colton Sissons on on Florida? No, he's with Nashville. <laughs> Nashville. There's somebody. There's Sevier, Sevier, Sissons, Sevier. I knew it was an SC. <laughs> I was like, I think I got the wrong guy. Yeah, Colton Sevier. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, it was, a, and he he just seemed to produce a ton of offense. I mean, he was just all over the place for the Panthers. And uh, I would say when I was watching that game last night, I said, dude, this guy was the best free agent signing of all, all of last year. I don't think there's a better free agent signing than Evgeny Dadunov. He's 62 points. Is there, is there a, a free agent that has more points than that? That's a very good question. I'm sure we'll find out soon. Uh, okay. So that, yeah, that playoff race is, it's uh, it's definitely heating up, and it'll. I mean, it's looking like it's going to come down to the last day. And and your point to your point about Boston, maybe if Boston happens to lose, I think if you're Florida, you have to win that first game against Boston, and then you win your next game, and then you've got Boston in your last game of the season. There is a small chance that that game doesn't actually mean anything if Philadelphia loses two games and Florida wins two games then that's it. They could lose their last game and it's fine. And Boston could potentially be ahead or behind to Tampa and they would already know, Oh, Tampa Bay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because that Boston, that Boston Florida game is the last game of the season. There, there's mm-hmm. no other games that day. So they will know where they're at or, you know, if a win will put them into the, the lead for the division and that game's going to be tough. Nonetheless. Yep. Uh, Western Conference. Uh, we'll find out tonight if St. Louis can jump Colorado. Uh, St. Louis plays the lowly Chicago Blackhawks, <laughs> who were beaten up by the Avalanche five nothing. And so, if St. Louis can do the same, they'll jump the Avs and be in that bottom wild card spot. But yeah, it's almost looking like the way Colorado's played here down the stretch four five and one in their last ten. 
They've mm-hmm. almost played themselves out of a playoff spot. They were they were looking so good. They were almost competing with Minnesota for that bottom spot in the Central, and now they're barely holding on. Yeah, and I think that that kind of goes more to showing how much this team is dependent on guys like you know Ratnan and and uh, McKinnon to to carry the load because when those guys weren't scoring, that's when they started losing. Yep, and yep. and it's funny too. Somebody the other day, I can't remember who it was that I read. They were complaining about how Colorado's season is over because Varlamov's injured. You know, he's out for the year. And I was looking at career and even this season's numbers, and Jonathan Bernier is only like a point off on save percentage and like barely a tenth of a goal off on goals against in terms of overall numbers this season. And it's like, you're not getting any worse of a goaltender. And career numbers were pretty much almost identical, too. Which is, uh, yeah, both have played for bad teams, too. I mean, Colorado yeah. was bad at one point. And Bernier, remember, he was playing for Toronto when they were just god-awful. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's – I mean, I, at this point, Dallas is out of it. Uh, I know that they can – they actually have won two in a row. So they, they technically – if Dallas were to win – win out and St. Louis and Colorado lose all the rest of their games. Dallas could make it. Yes. Which is not going to happen. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. Especially when you're playing Chicago, St. Louis is playing Chicago. That's, that's a win, right? Like, do you see them losing? I mean, Hey, if, when you're listening to this, it's going to be Thursday morning. So if it happened, uh, so be it. But I just, I, it's hard for me to see St. Louis losing to Chicago at this point. No, I agree too. Apparently there's some music coming from somewhere. Really? Yes, it's definitely my computer. It's okay. There we go. Oh, I do not hear anything. Interesting. Yeah, we'll see if that appeared in the... Oh, sorry about that. That was a... Uh, you know, you go to NHL.com and some ad shows up and you don't even see it. And it's just playing music. It's pretty great. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, what do we want to hit next? Let's uh, let's move to. You wanted to talk about how Calgary and Dallas played themselves out. Well, I mean, we don't have to go into detail about it, but basically, I mean, what happened to these two teams? I, I know beginning of the season, you know, we were especially, you know, when we did our preseason rankings, Dallas looked like they really made some smart moves, bringing a Bishop and Mathot to really solidify that back end a little bit more, and and it seemed like all was going well to start off the season, and then, and especially when you got you know, Radulov playing so well with, you know, Ben and Sagan and just how I, I don't have an explanation for how this team could possibly miss the playoffs. I mean, are the other teams that much better? And, you know, if guys like Jason Spezza and Fosca just played that horrible that they can't get any secondary scoring. Ah, uh, boy, you know, when it comes to Dallas, I think that truly last year For a limited time, we saw that the issue S9 or S9 Plus was that their goaltending was just it it was giving them fits. They couldn't do it with their with how bad their goaltending was. And so I think that you get uh, Ben Bishop down and that was really the beginning of the end. As soon as Ben yeah. Bishop got hurt, it was over. It really was. Yeah, and that that I think just they lost like 7 out of 8. Yeah, and it just I mean at this point, it's just got to show you. You cannot rely on Kerry Lettinen. You have to. It doesn't matter. Bury him in the minors. Anyone else is better. You could pay a guy 900000 and bring him up and play him, and it'll be better. <laughs> give guy Have a carousel. Who cares? Just give different guys the opportunities to play, and they'll play better than Kerry Lettinen. I, I mean, well, the guy makes – his problem is he just makes ridiculous mistakes, mistakes that – are inexcusable, and when you let in goals like that, I, I can, I can think of a couple goals that I've seen him let in where he goes to make the stop with his glove, and he just can't grab it, and he loses it out in front, and so it just, it doesn't make sense to keep him around. Do what you need to do to get rid of him, because he's clearly killed your organization. He's killed your organization the last three years. He was the reason they lost in the playoffs when they, you know, when they actually won the Central a few years uh-huh. ago. And ever since then, he's been even that year. He was he was garbage. He they just happened to have a really good team around him and got lucky. Yeah. So so here's my thought on on Kerry Lennon. One, uh, Dallas is lucky. His cap hit is he's he's coming off the books after this season. So there goes 
you know, five point something million dollars in cap space they're going to get. Um, and then you can go out and you can, you know, maybe if you're Vancouver, you, you try to deal, you know, Markstrom or even, you know, Anders Nielsen to, to Dallas for backup goaltender. But, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm Dallas, I'm going and sign somebody in free agency, but, uh, so that comes off your books, but you know, when it comes to this season at a nine eleven save percentage, he's had this year. You, I mean, as a backup goaltender, I can't expect too much more out of him. It's just that I think the like you said, the last three seasons that he ruins so badly that the team just does not play confidently in front of him, and they're afraid to make mistakes. And that's when you don't, you know, you're not putting pressure along the boards, and you're not, you know, maybe pinching up as much on D if you would, you know, had Ben Bishop back there to head, to feel confident about, you know, oh, if I make a mistake, you know, I got a guy who can bail me out, and I think that's what those last three seasons have really done, even though his numbers, you know, Lettinen's numbers this year haven't been really that atrocious. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I I did want to just go back to this really quick. I pulled mm-hmm. up our Central Division pre, uh, predictions from August. Oh, and, yes. And uh, so we both had Nashville and Dallas at the top. Um, I had Minnesota at three, so... I was right about that. You had Chicago at three. Not oh. so good. Uh, we both had Winnipeg at four. I had Chicago at five, and you had St. Louis at five. So uh, yeah. n- actually not that far off. Uh, but, I mean, hey, we I had Nashville, Minnesota, Winnipeg. You had Nashville, Winnipeg, and almost St. Louis. You know, if St. Louis gets in as that five, uh, at least, you know, you're kind of close. <laughs> But anywho, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, is there anything else that you want to uh, that you want to hit on? Oh, you, we want to hit on uh, Kucherov playing himself out of the MVP discussion. Yeah, I would love to because I, I, on the way on the way home today, I'm listening to NHL Radio on XM, and you know they start talking about uh, they were talking to some uh, TV reporter who who's doing games for I think it was Ottawa out in Buffalo or something like that, but. I can't remember his name, but he started. They started asking him about, uh, you know, who's your MVP, and he immediately went to Taylor Hall. And I think, you know, he's been, you know, especially after his four-point night, and I think he has 11 points in his last five games, so he's been just tearing it up lately. Um, and you know, of course, some guys still have Nathan McKinnon written in on their Hart Trophy ballot, at least top three, anyways. And I've been hearing, you know, Anze Kopitar's name thrown around a bunch. And right now, even, you know, Claude Giroux's been getting his name into the mix lately, too. Um, But one guy nobody's been talking about. And I think, you know, at the beginning of the season, we, you know, maybe after the first 20, 30 games, we'd almost considered him an automatic was Kucherov. And, you know, looking at his stats, I think in the last six games, Tampa's only won twice and he's only put up a goal and an assist. And he's like a negative, I think it was three or something like that. And it's just Hey, he's been, like I said, playing himself out of the Hart Trophy at this point. Hmm. Has he played himself out of the Hart Trophy? I, I would say that the beginning of the season, the accomplishment that he had uh, mm-hmm. with the goals uh, so quick. I mean, yeah, it's crazy if you think about what what did he have? He had like 22 goals in, in 23 games or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was crazy. So now he's got 16 goals in the last 50. It's not that it's not that great. No. It's still at 38 goals, but yeah, it's it it see and the problem is is that because he's got Stamkos and he's uh-huh. and he's on a great team, uh that does does hurt him. I did hear I saw the Giroux thing because he has um there's a stat that's called goals added and they essentially through some different things, determine uh, how many goals a normal player would have contributed and how you played on the ice and, uh, and how much you actually added to your team. And he's, he's way above the next guy on his team, the, most, the biggest gap between players uh, hmm. on his own team in terms of goals added. And so it essentially shows that without Claude Giroux, they would be – they they would be nothing <laughs> is essentially what it showed. Uh, of course, the same is true with Taylor Hall. To me, Taylor Hall is literally doing this on his own. Like, Taylor really Hall is. has ninety three <laughs> points. He's been he's been incredible. Thirty nine goals, yeah. fifty four assists, and 
I mean, I think it's like Nico Heischer is the next highest scoring player on the Devils. Mm-hmm. He's got 51 points. <laughs> and then the next one's Kyle Palmieri and Will Butcher. By the way, Will Butcher has really turned out to be a, a great acquisition for the Devils. I, I know early on some people uh, were kind of, you know, okay, he might be good, but he could also, you know, be one of those college signings that doesn't really turn into a whole lot and he's a five six defenseman but he's turned into mm-hmm. a nice piece for the devils yeah i would definitely definitely agree with you on that one and i think you know for instance you look at other guys you know taylor hall for instance like you said he's doing this all on his own nobody around him is really giving him that much support um in terms of point production anyways on paper uh you know obviously guys like you know malkin they've got Sidney crosby there and like you said kucherov has got stamkos playing there um you know, I think really outside of, you know, a guy like McDavid and, uh, you know, Hall, there really isn't anybody on the, the top of the points board where you're like, oh, he's he's definitely carrying that team alone. Yeah, it's it. Taylor Hall is going to win the heart. Yeah, I, I, I think there's no one else you can give it to. But here's here's another pressing question for you. And just I, I just I'm kind of curious uh, to see what your thought is. So. Two games left for both guys. Ovechkin at 46 and Liney at 44. Who and Carlson at 43. Who's going to walk away with the Richard Trophy here? Uh, Ovechkin always gets a hat trick in one of the last games of the year. So I'm going Ovechkin. <laughs> Ovechkin will find a way to get 50 goals. All right. Perfect. And funny little stat, too. Uh, so Patrick Liney and now with Kyle Connor hitting 30 goals last night. Uh, they become the first pair to go back-to-back rookies with 30-goal seasons since Sidney Crosby and Malkin did it. Wow, and uh, he, he he will probably finish third in uh, in Calder Trophy voting. Yeah, maybe fourth. I, I yeah, mean, I mean, are you gonna are you gonna not include Besser on that list? Uh, it's a tough. I mean, Barzell for sure is gonna win that, right? Yeah, you have to give it to him, absolutely. And Charlie McAvoy, I mean, he's been. He's been un- unbelievable for the Bruins. And, yeah. and, and then you've I mean, got, you can even throw Clayton Keller in there too. Yeah, but he had such a he had a hot start and Clayton Keller's been fine, but I, I don't think that he's necessarily been he hasn't been as good as any of those four guys. But you're right. I mean, the, Clayton Keller in a normal year would probably be third on the ballot. Yeah, and, and I mean Keller right now is sitting second in points. Yanni Gord, third in points right now. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. For sure. Yeah, and Yanni Gord, nobody's been talking about him. No, not at all. Yeah. He's got 61 points. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, how about <laughs> you know, Auntie Ranta? Five wins in his last five games. And, yeah, uh, he's been unreal. And he's been, yeah, he's been rolling. And but, he's he's playing Arizona out of that number one lottery pick right now, too. He's basically, essentially, now they, they mathematically cannot finish dead last, and it's going to be a Buffalo. Buffalo it is. Well, yeah. It could technically still be Ottawa, right? Well, Ottawa yeah, and I Buffalo yep. play each other tonight. They actually play in about 40 minutes. So <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, yeah, when we see that, I'm, my guess is that Buffalo loses because well, Buffalo is pretty terrible. Uh, yeah. How about, okay, I, I'm going to get your thoughts on uh, there's been a few players who have been able to sign with teams or mm-hmm. they've already been signed with teams, but they're uh, they're prospects who've been playing somewhere else, and their season ends in juniors or overseas, and yep. they're able to come and join their pro team and just start playing for them. Like uh, we saw uh, Ely Tolvanen for the Nashville Predators come in, uh, who really right. has there was a lot of hype about him because of what he did in the Olympics and how well he'd been doing up to this point. And in three games, he's playing an average of 12 minutes a game and he's got three shots on goal total. Uh, not, not, uh, not to be upstaged by Casey Middlestat for the Buffalo Sabres, who in three games has two assists and has two shots on goal. So, uh, and has actually taken a, some face-offs, too, Casey Middlestad has. So, uh, oh, boy. What do you think about these teams being able to – I guess – see, it's – you're bringing these guys in. They weren't even playing for your AHL team. You're just able to scoop them up and bring them up whenever you want. Do you think that that's uh, – that it's 
fair that teams can do that and adding those players that late in the in the game, or do you think that it's good? You know, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I'm okay with it, and for one reason only, just because the fact that most teams, when they sign these kids, they end up having less than 10 games left, so they don't have to burn a year of their rookie contracts. Yeah, so you and, can and the get, playoffs you can don't get, count. Right. And I, I mean, I, I say that from, you know, a team like, for instance, like Buffalo or somebody who wants to bring in a kid just to get a good look at him and be like, hey, is he going to be worth, you know, giving a spot towards, you know, at training camp next year? Do we really think he's going to make an impact? Will he be a full time guy? And you kind of it's almost like getting a, you know, like a pre-draft look at a young kid, you know. Um, yeah, it's, a so tra- you, it's essentially a tryout. Yeah. And I think for a team that has nothing to play for mm-hmm. other than just playing spoiler or playing for points, it's fine. But when you, when you have you know teams like, for instance, Nashville, right, bringing in Tolvin, and I, I'm against that because your team's playing so good, and they've been playing so good for so long that bringing in a guy that, yeah, he may have been lighting it up over in the KHL, he might have been great in the Olympics, but how is he going to work with the chemistry of this team? Is he going to fit in? Is he going to disrupt the chemistry of the team? Because now you have to scratch a guy like, you know, maybe an Austin Watson or Colton Sissons who have been playing phenomenal on that fourth line just to bring in a guy who has never played in the NHL and you don't really know what you're going to get. Yeah, and I think that you're ultimately going to look at that and you're going to say, okay, who are we? Are we going to actually play an Elite Tolvanen or are we going to play like a, I don't know, you know, Frederick, uh, Frederick uh, Gaudreau. That's who I'm thinking right. of. Or, yeah, Colton, Colton Sissons was playing along with Nick Benino, Colton Sissons was the fourth line, uh, fourth line guy there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, I mean, there, there is obviously you're, you're taking him out of the lineup and putting somebody else in. So, uh, I think that Tolvanen ultimately he's at this point for me, he's playing himself off the roster, uh, for the playoffs, unless they desperately need, you know, if there's an injury or something like that, I understand sure. it, but I, he, he doesn't look, he, he looks like he has some hands, um, but from the moves that I saw him try to put on last night, defensemen were just eating it up. They lifting his stick, stealing the puck, and rushing it the <laughs> other way. So yeah, it wasn't wasn't great for him. Uh, and again, that it's that different ice surface. It can make a huge difference. It takes time to adjust to it. So I mean, hey, by the playoffs, who knows? Hey, you're, somebody's going to go back and pull audio from this, and Tolvanen's going to score a big goal in the playoffs, and they're going to be like, "See, you're an idiot." <laughs> Why do you have your own show? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a question I always ask all the time. Why do we have our own show? <laughs> about about me? <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, do you want to talk? Oh, we wanted to hit on the Black Monday that seems like it is coming. Uh, TSN's Bob McKenzie broke down a list of potential coaches to be fired on the Inside Trader segment on TSN last night on Wednesday. And there were about nine coaches listed on this, uh, on this list. So I'll go through them. And this is what I, this is what I want you to do. I want you to say gone. Okay. Or they're going to stay this one or the other. Uh, let's go. Glenn Gullitson from the Calgary flames is, uh, is he going to be there next season or is he gone? He stays. Gullitson stays. Okay. Yep. Despite his uh, couple YouTube-worthy videos of him cursing out his team. <laughs> Throwing sticks. <laughs> so Gullitson is going to stay. I think that, oh, I don't see how you can keep him around with how the expectations are so high for this team. And uh, I think that he's going to take, somebody has to take the fall for it. And it's unfortunately going to be him. He'll probably get hired somewhere else. Uh, Bill Peters in Carolina. Uh, gone. Yep, I agree. I think he's going to be gone simply because management is going to want to bring in a new guy, and that's totally fair. Yep. Uh, here's a hard one. Joel Quinville with the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, you're not kidding. That's a tough one. I Okay, we'll come back to it. Okay, Jeff yep. Blashill with the Detroit uh, Red Wings. says, yes, he should be gone, but odds are no, because I think Detroit has just this big loyalty issue that's going to end up biting them in the 
in the rear with this one. Does it really matter though? Detroit's probably going to be eh, mediocre next year, and I don't think. No, I agree. Jeff yeah. Blash. I actually think that it would be beneficial if they don't have or if they bring him back because I don't think that he's. I, I just don't see it with this team. I, it's not to say that he couldn't be a good coach in the future uh, with a different team with different players, but uh, it just seems like he's kind of he was too similar to Babcock. Is is what essentially what the wings are getting, and it just isn't what their organization is built for anymore. They don't have the high level talent to make it work. No, I think uh, they definitely could use a more experienced head coach who has knowledge and like success with developing younger players because I think that's what they need to start doing is really working their younger guys in and phasing out some of these older guys like Erickson and Cronwall and. Um, you know, Blashill to me just does not seem like that coach that can really develop young players. Honestly, I think that we've talked about, you look at Bill Peters and you look at Glenn Gullitz, and I think those are two guys that could come in and could develop yep. some players. That They both show, especially Bill Peters has shown that he can develop guys. It's just a matter of, I mean, their team just isn't that great anyways. But Bill Peters does come from a, uh, a he's Mike Babcock guy. Yeah. So you may may not have to change your system if you don't want to, but you can uh, be assured Bill Peters good at develop. I mean, we look at Sebastian Ajo. Look at the way that when he came in and really turned around Jeff Skinner's career, uh, he's he's done a remarkable job at creating some really solid defensemen back there for them. And so I think that he he would be a decent guy for that job. Uh, let's go, Todd McClellan on the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, he stays. I agree. I think he's there for – they give him another chance. Uh, yep, absolutely. Especially for the you know the reasons that you you brought him in, I think he stays. And it's yep. it's a little harder to get somebody to – a really good coach to commit to come out to Edmonton, I think. Uh, Doug Waite on the Islanders. Uh, stays. Oh, I think Doug Waite is long gone. I think he's wow. gone. I think that he is – I think he wants to be gone. Now that might be a whole nother issue for sure. I, you know, I watch him, uh, a, I've watched him a lot and I've read a lot about him and the way he just, he looks behind that bench, how he looks like he's ready to have a heart attack almost every yes. night. Yes. I feel bad for him. I do. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't think what's happening on the Island is anything to do with that. It's not his fault. Um, no, and he's, pro- he's proven that. I mean, look at the way that Barzell has been used and was, was coddled early on and then allowed more freedom later on. And it's really worked out. I think that he's used players the right way. It's just yeah. defensively speaking there. He just didn't have much to work with. No, and no goaltending back there at all when they're just giving up everything, but um, which is why he's having heart attack. But I think, I think if Tavares leaves and I think if you're going to basically at that point, you have to almost hit the reset button and do like a quick restart I think you have to get rid of the coach and just sort of bring in new, you know, new management there to uh, kind of start a new era. Yeah, I think that Garth Snow is fired if they don't re-sign John Tavares. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Elaine Vigneault in New York. Uh, gone. Yeah, I would think that he'd want to be gone anyways. Uh, yeah. Guy Boucher in Ottawa. I think they give him one more year. Yeah, I, I'd say one more year would be given to him. I mean, he has. Yeah. he's not doing anything different than he did last year, right? Like. And he almost has the same team, so maybe he's got, can find magic in a bottle. And plus, I mean, we all know Craig Anderson every other year, right? <laughs> right, and I think you look at a guy like Matt Duchesne, who's actually been playing pretty well. Yes. You know, whether it, it is, you know, the fact that they're out of the playoffs and now he can play a little looser. But I think management, they they probably love to see that sort of thing. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to keep this guy around and, you know, see what, what plays out. Yeah. What did you think about the hype about Eric Carlson grabbing that puck out of the net in the last home game for in Ottawa? Oh yeah. You know, get my, my memento for, yeah. Getting out of town. I think I, I, I honestly, I think I'm 80% convinced he's traded at the draft. Um, it's going to be a doozy. I, yeah, I also could see him not getting moved at all. I, you know, yeah. I could, I could see both. He afterwards was like, Oh, I just saw it in there. So I just picked it up. I was like, Oh crap, dude. That's <laughs> right. so. And then he was like, well, yeah, I mean, there, I guess there is a chance I won't be here. So I'm glad I grabbed it, but I really, I just saw it and then didn't think about it until afterwards. It was like, Stop. okay, you don't have to play cool. I mean, the last time he was honest though, he got reamed for it. Remember when he was like, no, I'm going to get paid. 
I don't care. Right. Like, yeah. You know, I'll go wherever I'm, wherever I'm going to get paid. <laughs> that's like, then <laughs> people were pissed at him, and it's just, yeah, that's ridiculous. Okay, let's go Barry Trotz in Washington. Uh, if they don't go past the second round, he's gone. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Even though he's got, he's going to win his third straight division title. What if they go to overtime in Game Seven? in the second round against the Penguins and lose again. <laughs> nope, don't care. <laughs> he's got to get to the conference finals or he's gone. Okay, let's go back to Joel Quinville. Okay. This one's a toughie. Definitely. I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Okay. When it comes to Joel Quinville, I think that he has, I mean, there comes a time in every coach's life is span with a team that – You've drained everything you can get out of players from from your even if the message was exactly the same coming from a different face might change things for Chicago. I think that if you're Chicago, you go, we've lost in the the first round 2 years prior to this and we just lost we just did we didn't even come close to making the playoffs and even with a healthy Corey Crawford we probably wouldn't have. I think you just have to go we just have to bring in someone new. Like at this point, this just isn't working anymore. And does it have a lot to do with management and the players that they brought in? Yes. They never should have traded uh, Artemi Panarin, who oh, has God, no. just set the record for most points for a Columbus Blue Jacket in a single season. And <laughs> that, that trade was a, just a disaster. Brandon Saad, he, uh, he looks like, oh, geez, he, will he ever get 30 goals again? I, I don't know. Uh, nope. It's, yeah, it's just a terrible trade. I mean, I don't think that, I think when you look at, uh, you know, some of these, some of these older guys who have been able, you know, they, they take their, take their licks, they have some bad seasons and then they figure it out. I mean, look at like Bergeron, Marchand, Krejci, these guys aren't young and they're figuring it out right now. So to look at Kane and Taves and be like, nah, they're probably done. No, no, I wouldn't count them out at all. I think you could still build around them. It's just I think you just need a different coach. You just need a different a different face, a different message, and maybe somebody who, you know, there there's a saying that uh, how does this go? That uh, time in erodes awareness of. Wow. The longer you are in a place, it erodes your awareness of what's happening in that place, and so it's. It's not necessarily the coach's fault. It just happens over time that maybe there's some things that you're not noticing because you've been there for so long. Joel Quinville will go get hired somewhere, and he will probably get paid more than what Mike Babcock is getting paid in Toronto. Wow. He'll go, I, write, he'll go write his own ticket to whomever he would like to coach. Sure. And, and I think that he should ask Chicago, please let me go and – you know, I'll I'll glad I'll step away. You can bring in somebody else in the interim, and I, I would I would even you know if I were him, I would I would even be willing to go look. You know, as soon as if I get hired by somebody else, you don't have to pay me anymore. You know, however you needed to work that out, right. I would want to get out there out of there if I were him because I just don't see this turning around. I mean, how many times have you seen a coach w- win and then? lose a bunch and then actually stick with the team and come back and win another Stanley cup. It doesn't happen. Right. No, I would agree with you too. And that was my thought process was behind guys like exactly like you said, you know, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane where, you know, they're not done yet. And I still think they have more to give. And especially with guys like Seabrook and Duncan Keith are pretty much on their last gasp. If, if you can call it that, um, you know, I think getting a fresh start for those guys with a new system, a new coach in there, you know, might bring a little bit more life into it. And, and I mean, look at it. It did wonders for the Los Angeles Kings this year. I think, uh, you know, you had a guy like Kopitar who maybe, you know, it, it wasn't in terms of like on his way out, like a lot of people might think Jonathan Taves is or anything like that. But, you know, sometimes just getting in a fresh face and a fresh system, you know, can rejuvenate players. And maybe, you know, you might find that little extra spark that they've been missing because again, like you said, they've been just playing in Quinville system for so long that they just, you know, yeah, you need something new to, yeah, you need something new to push you. Uh, other coaches I think that could get fired. I think that Minnesota and Bruce Boudreau, Mm -hmm. I I think if they go out and they lose in the first round, I think that he would, um, you could see, this is, this is what I could see. 
let's say Joel Quinville gets fired mm-hmm. and Minnesota goes, holy crap, we could go and get Joel Quinville. <laughs> and you go, <laughs> look, Bruce, we got to fire you. You're like you just, <laughs> you just bring him in and, and yeah, you make that work. I, I think that someone will fire their coach to bring yeah. him in. It won't matter who, who uh, you know, who they're co- – I mean, you know, look at uh, Anaheim. If he was willing to come to Anaheim or uh, Columbus, I don't I, I don't think he'd be willing to go. I think Carolina would be a place where they would fire Bill Peters to bring in Joel Quin- Quinville. Yeah, sure. I don't see Bill, Joel Quinville going from Chicago to Carolina, though. I, I think he's <sighs> I, I, you know where I could see Joel Quinville going? New York. New York Rangers. Yeah. Now, or yeah. if – or if uh, – yeah, I see. I, I think he'd. I think he'd want to go to some high-profile team. Like I couldn't see him going to the Islanders. Yeah, but is he is he ready for a rebuild, or is he looking for a team that you think is just right on the cusp of being a, a decent team and just needs a little bit more? Washington. Well, yeah, I think that, would, that would work. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be uh, that'd be intense. Uh, or yeah. See, I think that the Rangers. I don't think that the Rangers are that far away from competing. No, I I think. What was it? I think Henry Lundqvist came out after their big blowout loss to New Jersey last night, and he said next year is all about winning. Which, if you're the Rangers, you're thinking, okay, we just traded away half of our team to start this rebuild, and Lundqvist is over here talking about we're winning it all next year, kind of mentality. So, you know what what's going on there? Is it is it that they're they're in a like to me. But they have what three first round picks this year? Yeah, I think so. I I don't know if it's that the Rangers are just like, all right, we need a first overall pick, and so we're going to tank. I think that they were just like, this season we see that it's clear we're not good, so we're going mm-hmm. to refresh this thing. We're going to move some pieces. I mean, the Rangers still they they would never have acquired Nemesnikov if they weren't trying to be good. If they were trying to be really bad. They would have just asked for another second round pick or first round right. pick, you know, they, or they would have moved JT Miller to someone else for a first round pick. So to me, they're there. It's not that they're trying to be bad. It's that they're trying to retool. It's very clear to me. They're trying to retool because otherwise you would, you would find a way to trade Henrik Lundqvist. And I think that Lundqvist comes out and says that because he's talked to management and has said, we're not just trying to lose, right? Like I understand this season is kind of shot, but we're not just going to go out and just crap the bed next year and you're going to trade people away. No, I, I think that they saw the writing on the wall. That's why Derek Stepan left. And I think that they figured they probably wouldn't be a top team this year. And so then they moved more players and Rick Mash maybe comes right back. And yeah, there's maybe totally John possible. Carlson goes and signs with, with uh, New York following Kevin Shattenkirk coming from Washington. I think there's a whole lot of possibilities for New York. I think that they're in a good spot, and maybe they even maybe they bring in John Tavares. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Uh, how crazy that would be? Yeah, that would that would make them a playoff contender just right off the get. Uh, So I I did want to point this out that uh, yeah, Joel Quinville when he left Colorado and came Uh to Chicago. Uh, I believe Chicago had missed the playoffs uh, before the year the year that he actually came in 2008 2009 or uh, yeah 2008 2009 is the year that he uh, he came in and I'm pretty confident that the Blackhawks missed the playoffs uh, prior to that right yeah I believe so so yeah to me it, it just yeah, because they picked Patrick Kane first overall, two thousand seven, and uh, the, they yes they did miss the playoffs. They missed the playoffs by three points, and it was the first time in six years they had finished over five hundred that year. So then they obviously made the playoffs. They went to the conference finals the following year, and then they won the cup. And so to me, when I'm if you're Joel Quinville, you're going okay. Who's who's that team that? And maybe it's whoever wins this draft lottery. You know, it's going to make change some things for some teams, but and of course, all that assumes that he does actually get fired. He might not. I yeah, I see him with sure. the Rangers. I just think that'd be a great fit. Yeah, I, I don't think I disagree with you on that one. I think that would be great, especially if they get Tavares. 
Oh, well, yeah, that would be a, an absolute game changer. If you're him, I think you just sit back. If you were to get let go, I think you uh-huh. just go, well, I'm not even going to sign with anybody until I see where John Tavares goes. Right. And I could, you know, you have your choice of, uh, or maybe you just contact John and you go, hey, dude, where do you want to play? Because I'll coach there. Yeah. How about that? Uh... Or, and see if you can't, you know, maybe, uh, maybe the Rangers win the draft lottery somehow and they, they get Rasmus Dahlin, then they'd be all set. <laughs> that would be too sweet for them. Okay. Well, I think that's uh, enough Enough dreaming. We'll, uh, we'll wait for the real thing, and uh, we will. Yes. You can find us at otHockeyDoc.com. You can find articles and blogs that, uh, that we write, and you can also find us on Twitter, at OTHockeyTalk. Just hit us up there, you know, talk some crap, tell us that everything that we say is wrong, and um you know, hey, if uh, if you want to come on the show and, and tell us why, we'd love to have good guests on the show, too. So, yeah, that's it for me, Justin. Enjoy more. Uh, actually, tonight the games kind of suck, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, tomorrow will be another crazy day for playoff stuff. So enjoy the Thursday night slew of games, and we will talk to you soon. All right.